What's up, Irish fans? Locked on Irish podcast coming your way. Friday edition, jam-packed show. As we are just over 24 hours away from the last Notre Dame football game of the decade. Of the decade. So crazy. Just a few days away from 2020. Hope everybody had a happy holiday. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Pumped to be with you guys. I mean, this we got a huge show today. This is, this is going to be great. We're going to try to squeeze it all in and, and wrap it up and put a bow on it. No pun intended. But as you know, we are the official Notre Dame podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network. The one and only. The only Notre Dame podcast on there. So listen to us. Check us out. So uh, remember, Spotify, iTunes, whatever app you got right now, listen to us on there. At Locked On Irish Twitter, at Locked On Irish on Facebook. Uh, Mark Hissom, your favorite co-host and mine, he is in Orlando. Well, he's nearing Orlando. So the correspondence this week has sucked. I'm not going to lie. We've not done well. Um, we promised earlier this week that he was going to get us a lot of a lot of coverage throughout the week. He's just now getting into Orlando. The reason he was in Florida, kind of cool that it coincided, was uh, his son uh, plays travel lacrosse. And the timing, who would have thought, being in or near Orlando for almost two weeks, the, the team's really good, so they've advanced really far. But bottom line is, he surprised his whole family with Camping World Bowl tickets, and they thought they were going to get into Orlando a couple days sooner. Didn't happen. Team's still winning. At the very latest, he'll be there sometime later tonight. So probably not going to have him on the show right to right now. We may do a, a extra podcast, a little bonus podcast. I don't know how long it'll be. We may do it late tonight. You might get a twofer on a Friday. May do it in the morning. We'll figure it out. But there's going to be a lot of content coming your way. But again, yeah, I, I promised some correspondence with him down there, and whew, that team's smoking other teams, and they, they did not expect to be uh, to be still playing on a Friday. So yeah, once Mister Hissom gets uh, gets into actual Orlando near Camping World Bowl Stadium, and I imagine a great amount of content from the stadium tomorrow. So we apologize for that. So what's up, everybody? How y'all doing? Hope everybody's doing great. As I said, so big show. Like I said, I'm going to try not to make this two hours long because, man, we have a lot, a lot of news. So we're going to start off real short and sweet, Alabama A&M preview. You guys know I pride myself on, on hardwood, on the, hoop, on the hoops side of things. I am the hoops guy amongst all three of us, so I do want to get that preview out. We're also going to talk just a little bit about uh, Cole Komet and the grade he got back from uh, uh, NFL scouts. And, uh, you know, much has been made of Brock Purdy and the passing attack, but what do we know about the wide receivers? We talked about the line and the rushing attack earlier this week. Let's talk about who Brock Purdy is actually going to be throwing to, and we're going to get into some defense, going to talk about, hey, a play caller has been named. Oh, stick around for that breaking news. And then finally, get you some Friday bowl picks. Five bowls today, probably one of the best, biggest bowl, game, bowl days as far as mid-tier bowls. We're finally getting some Power 5, multiple Power 5 teams playing on the same day. So, Let's take a breath. Let's do this thing. Alabama A&M Sunday, ACC Network, Notre Dame, Alabama A&M. Not, not an incredible amount to say about this game. This is not a good team. Uh, I believe they've what is they've won something like ten game, yeah, ten wins in the last three years. Five and twenty-seven last season, three and seven this season uh, under second-year coach Dylan Howard. Uh, they do play a lot of guys. They've had nine guys that have actually played in all 10 games, so they run a deep bench, but th this is not a good team. The SWAC is not good at basketball. In fact, most of the time in the tournament, you'll see their champion come out with you know, typically a losing record going into the tournament. They get that play-in game in Dayton. 
maybe they win, maybe they don't, and then they get smoked in the round of 64. So, you know, not just not a good team. They actually are playing four, four freshmen starting. Um, we'll get to that here in just a minute. We'll talk about some of these wins and losses they have, just to kind of put this in perspective. Their wins come over North Alabama, Troy, Jacksonville State. Um, they have played some ACC opponents already. Miami, who's eh, um, lost to them by 14, and then lost to Clemson by 26. They have not had a loss in the single digits, um, and that includes a first game of the year, 40-point loss to Tennessee State. Not the – no, the, the other one, Tennessee State. 40-point loss to start the year. And again, you know, they're playing four of five freshmen. I mean, it's a starting lineup. It's really incredible what, they've, what they're doing right now with a young team. I'd be inter- I'll be interested to see if I can remember in a couple of years to go back and look and see the progression of this team. Now, I mentioned that they were starting four of five freshmen in the starting lineup. They've actually, the last game, they started all freshmen. All freshmen in their starting lineup. So, I mean... Yes, they're not very talented. Sure, we know that. Not very talented at all. However, you know they are very young. Um, they are they're led by uh, Garrick Hicks um, and Cameron Alford, two guards up front. Um, Alford averages fourteen point nine p- points per game. Had a career high in his last game out against North Alabama, twenty six points. He also leads the team in rebounds with a total of fifty five on the year. He's getting about five point five a game. Hicks, uh, six foot, 160, not very big at that other guard position, averaging about 10.3 points per game. And that's where a lot of their offensive production comes from. Now, they had a senior starting prior to the last game, TJ Parham. Big kid, 6'7", uh, but he's only 2'10". Uh, wow, uh, that's a thin kid. Yeah, I mean, he's a senior, so not uh, not much muscle to be put back on him. But, uh, you know, averaging 9.1 points per game. So somebody to keep an eye on, um, but still, like I said, guys, this is not a very talented team. They have Jalen Johnson, six seven two fifteen. So they have a little bit of size up front, the three four five position. Um, EJ Williams is six ten, typically plays the five. Again, another freshman, six ten two seventy five. Not extremely mobile. Um, doesn't even lead the team in rebounds. As I said, that's Alford, two point seven rebounds per game, only averaging about five point two points per game. Now he gets some good energy off the bench with Brandon Miller, six foot one seventy uh, junior. Get about seven and a half points per game off the bench from him. Uh, but he, as of late, he's been averaging I think it's like something like twenty four minutes a game is what he's getting. So and he also leads the team in steals. He's third in assists, third in defensive rebounds. So you know that I really maybe they should look at putting him in the starting lineup. Um, like I said, they had the same lineup going into the uh, first nine games, and they made a little bit of a change with Jalen Johnson over Parham. Uh, and it rightfully so. Johnson was shooting is shooting over fifty percent from the field, and Parham, despite being a senior and a, a bigger threat from the three point land, Parham's shooting under thirty percent. You got a guy on the bench shooting over fifty. You got a guy starting shooting under thirty. Ugh, what are you gonna do? You know, again, Parham is the bigger threat from three. He's hit sixteen on the season, uh, where Johnson hasn't even attempted a three yet. So you're trading a little bit of offense there, but. Uh, you know, they got three guys averaging over 30% from behind the arc, Parham, Hicks, and Miller. Uh, ironically enough, they've all hit exactly 16 threes on the season. Um, this is going to be a game, again, it's going to be one of the last games we can fine-tune things. ACC play starts. Last game of the decade for the basketball team as well. We're getting ready to open up with Syracuse, who, despite the name, not good, friends. Not good at all. 
Um, we are going to get into some football stuff right this moment. I know nobody's all that stoked about Alabama A&M coming up on Sunday. But again, like I said, had to get to it. it very, I find it to be important. Stay up on it. Um, I love this basketball team. I love college basketball in general. So I absolutely wanted to stay on it for you guys that are interested and want to keep up with this team. Because if you're a Notre Dame football fan, you're very likely a Notre Dame basketball fan too. Um, so before we transition too much further here, I uh, just want to talk real quick about Cole Komet. Uh, Komet got a second round grade from, um, from when he sent in his paperwork. So he's going to have a decision to make. And everything I've read, it sounds like that he might be the top tight end coming out. So interesting there. You know, you get that second round grade. Was he expecting to be a first round grade? I don't know, but... It's going to be interesting to see what his decision is. I don't think he's back, especially now the second round grade. And who's to say somebody at the bottom of the first round doesn't pick him up, get that some of that first round money? So uh, you know, enough about our tight end. You know, we don't we don't want to talk about a Notre Dame tight end, right? <laughs> so as I said, opening the show, you know, we've heard a lot about Brock Purdy, but who are the guys he's throwing to? So before we do that, let's give a shout-out to our friends at Breaking Tea. If you are looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around sports teams' passions moments. Great for all fans. Go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. And then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. Hey, did you forget somebody? Like, you went shopping... Thought you had everybody, had a late Christmas. I have this scenario. I do. I have this scenario in my family. Got a Christmas next week, a little bit delayed, and I'm forgetting a gift. Maybe I'll go to Breaking Tea. I'm a Pacer fan too, so they got some cool Pacer stuff. So check it out. All right, guys, Locked On Irish Podcast, back at it. Huge Friday show. Sorry if I felt like I was speeding through the Alabama A&M preview, but again, not a big game at all, and I wanted to... Wanted to get you guys something, something to chew on if you're checking out the game on Sunday. Again, it's a noon tip-off. So who is Brock Purdy going to be throwing to? I want to start with the tight ends. Charlie Kohler just got named third-team All-American, AP All-American. He's a beast. He's a big boy, 6'6", 252. It's nothing we haven't seen before, um, but he definitely, he's a ball player, guys. I mean, when you don't get named on an AP All-American team, albeit third team for no reason. Now, he's been targeted quite a bit. Um, most amount of catches came against Oklahoma State. Eight catches, 88 yards against them. Uh, seven touchdowns on the season, 675 yards receiving overall. Um, yeah, he's he's going to be a load. He doesn't get a lot of yards after catch. However, you know, he I rewatched the Texas game yesterday uh, as much as I could. And a lot of their guys, they, they, they know where the sticks are at. They get out there. They don't get a ton of chunk yardage. There was a complete breakdown. Purdy threw it up for a long pass. But I don't didn't feel like, again, I haven't watched a whole lot of Iowa State. I watched some of the Iowa game. Uh, after I was at the New Mexico-Notre Dame game, I watched it in a, the end of it in a motel, lost in just devastating fashion. And then I've rewatched this Texas game as much as possible. And I feel like their receivers, they just know how to get to the sticks. They, they know how to find the sticks and get there. Uh, only one 100-yard receiving game this year. Um, that came against Kansas. Ugh, make of it what you will. You know, Kansas football, despite having less miles, and they had a nice, nice, I put in air quotes there, against uh nice win against BC. But um, 
yeah, just not good. They, 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 I say sometimes on this show that, you know, they don't suck. No, this one sucks. Kansas is, is not good at football. That's, that's fact. So, um, but again, they try to target him a lot. He's a big body and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be on our linebackers. It's going to be on our safeties to be able to just kind of shut him down. Don't let him sit down at those sticks, box you out like he's freaking Tim Duncan. No, ab- absolutely. We need to stay on this guy, jam him at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and he's talented. He's a talented guy and he, he can do, he can find that little spot in your defense. If you aren't careful, you have to be able to stay with this guy. Otherwise he's going to hurt us, especially on these like third and short third and medium situations where we can get our D off the field. And I was going through and I was just kind of breaking down where the ball distributions at for Iowa state. And it looks like about just about right on the edge of 25% of their passes are completed to tight ends. They have two other tight ends, both at six foot seven. So these guys are a load. Um, over two hundred fifty pounds, both six seven. Uh, Chase Allen, Dylan Soner. Uh, Soner is more of a blocking tight end. He has seven catches on the season. hasn't had any. He has had no games with multiple catches. Every game's just every game he has a catch, he has one or none. So he's out there a little more for blocking purposes. Um, Chase Allen, on the other hand, he does have seventeen catches, two touchdowns, one sixty seven on the season. So a, a little more utilized. Um, he's listed around about two. I've looked at two different publications. One was like 252. And then the one I have up in front of me right now says 245. So let's split hairs, right? Um, you know, the wide receivers really went off against Texas where I didn't feel like the tight ends were not as involved against Texas. That was probably Iowa State's uh, best win, in my opinion. A lot of close losses, a lot of close losses. You know, we've talked about uh, many times that they've had all their losses, but one was by less than double digits. So, you know, they, like Coach Kelly said, they could be 11 and one essentially, but they're not. Um, But yeah, against Texas, which I do find to be their best win, uh, they, they did, just didn't use the tight ends as much as I thought they would, and, and like I said, Soner he's more of a more of a blocking guy. Where Allen, I think they use him maybe to change up just a, enough uh, from Kohler because everybody knows how good Kohler is. I mean, Kohler, I think he's twelfth, yeah, twelfth in the Big Twelve in receiving as a tight end. Um, these guys overall, that they have what do they got? Four four guys in the top fifteen in receiving. That's pretty good. Um, that does not suck, as one might say. Um, it just just goes, goes to show how Purdy, I mean, he just distributes the ball really well. He doesn't have that necessarily that go-to guy. Of course, he has guys you know lead the team in receiving. Not everybody has the same amount of yards across the board, but there's a reason that you know he's he is the leading passer in the Big Twelve right now. He, he outdid Ellinger. He's outdone Hertz. Um, he's averaging 313 yards per game. It's not by mistake. He has some good guys out there. So let's talk about these wide receivers a little bit. Now, the first thing I noticed is they're not huge. Deshante Jones leads the team, uh, 832 uh, receiving yards. He had 536 as a freshman, and then just kind of he kind of fell off a little bit. Uh, he was second on the team to a guy you may have heard of, Alan Lazard, having a nice year for the Packers. If you remember, he was a target of Notre Dame's for a half minute before he decided to go to Iowa State. And then sophomore year, 273, junior year, 366. So he kind of took a step back. Now this year he's really stepped up as a senior and had some had some really nice games. Only accounted for two touchdowns, though. Um, I'm not sure if that's because they're using Kohler. You know, he lead, has seven receiving touchdowns. 
Um, now, Jones does have four games with he was over 100 yards against Northern Iowa, uh, Louisiana Monroe, TCU, and then Texas. Like I said, these wide receivers had a day against Texas. Um, seven catches for 144 for, uh, for Jones. Oklahoma game. I know well, one of the things I always look at when I'm evaluating a team I don't mo- know much about is how did your star do against their best competition? And Oklahoma, he only had four catches for 18 yards. I mean, they really limited him. Um, he averages about 11.6 per catch, but you know he only had four and a half yards per catch against Oklahoma. We're, and that's not the best defense in the land. Let's let's just be real. Oklahoma's defense is a little porous. I feel like we have a better defense than Oklahoma, but we're going to have to keep this guy in check. Um, you know, he's he's had an impact on most of his games. Most of the games he's played in, he's had an impact. Even against Louisiana Monroe, he only had two catches, but he had 100 yards. Uh, Kansas State, they pretty much shut him down. Pretty much shut him down. Two catches, 10 yards. Uh, that was that was the biggest uh, margin of victory over this Iowa State team came from Kansas State. They really kind of shut down the wide receivers and just kind of made it really tough on Purdy and the entire Iowa State team. Opposite of Jones, you're going to see out there Tariq Milton um, played in 12 games this season, 689 yards receiving, three touchdowns. Uh, Milton definitely has some speed. Definitely has some speed. He'll test, uh, probably test Bracey, as I imagine Pride would probably be on Jones. Uh, really nice game against Iowa early in the season. Eight eight catches for 144. He had 142 against UL Monroe. Again, kind of looking at that the stiffest of competition. He had two catches for 67 against um, Oklahoma. Then he had uh, three catches, 20 yards against Texas. Kansas State, he had a, a little bit better day, four catches for 78, but no touchdowns. I mean, he kind of fell off down the stretch, though. As I, as I look at this, you know, he had, had a great year you know, going into Texas Tech on October 19th. But after October 19th, I mean, he's accounted for 179 yards total in five games. And 10 receptions. 10 receptions, 179, one touchdown since the, the since kickoff against Oklahoma State on October 26th. He's kind of fallen off. It could be is it due to some injuries. You know, the season gets a little long. Guys start to get worn down. I don't know. Uh, is he not being targeted as much? Are there some other players stepping up? I, mean, I have not seen enough of this team to know an exact reason for this. But a bowl break, getting this break before the bowl – if it is because he's of injuries and the season was long and you're starting to slow down, it could very well be we see that you know we might see the best uh, Tyreek Milton since earlier in the season. Now another name to look out for tomorrow, uh, Lamichael Petway. If that sounds familiar, four-year guy from Arkansas. He was a grad transfer. Uh, actually, led Arkansas in receiving, which. When I say lead, it's like the Val of Victorian summer school. He had 499, 499 yards receiving. See, I couldn't even get it out. So shocking. 499. Can you believe that? That lead receiving at Arkansas. That sucks. Again, that doesn't, that sucks. That's whew, not exactly the June Jones running fun, running gun, run and shoot offense. My goodness. This is not Mike Leach's offense. 30 catches, 499 led Arkansas last year. Uh, Iowa State this year, uh, senior year, he's played in 11 games, 51 catches, 622. He is the bigger of the wide receivers, six foot two, 223. Does have six touchdowns. Um, easy to say that I think he made the right decision to leave because how about Arkansas was? He's getting to play in a bowl game his senior year. 
Matt Campbell, obviously a better coach than Chad Morris. He also went off against Texas, eight catches for 100. Oh, he's only had one game where he's caught uh, 100 yards or had a 100-yard receiving game. That was against Texas. Again, referred to Oklahoma, only 46 yards against Oklahoma. They kind of kept him a little irrelevant. Um, two catches is all he had. Uh, kind of kept him in check. But, you know, he's a nice wide receiver, big-bodied guy. So it'll be interesting how we match up, who and how we match up. Could we put pride against him? because of the bigger size because pride you know pride's a nice size corner so maybe he could stick with him uh roll up sean crawford on him uh should be interesting to see how we play this again these guys are not anything we've not seen before uh, not at all they're good solid um definitely not elite i would say above average wide receiving core and you got a guy with uh, with lamichael that you know a lot of experience he's been in a system for five years of college football that's nice to have, to have a senior presence, have that veteran presence on the outside. Now, the last one I want to talk about, Sean Shaw. He's a freshman, 14 catches on the season for 203, uh, does have five touchdowns. He is six foot six, definitely big, long, lanky. He could be a problem, especially in the red zone. But, you know, one catch against Kansas State, three against Texas, three against Kansas. He's not had a game with over 40 yards. He's had a couple games with 30, kind of a possession guy. Had a touchdown against Kansas, touchdown against Kansas State, uh, two against UL Monroe. Had, did have one against Oklahoma, but you know he's going to be a guy they put out there, mismatch situations. Again, sit him down at the sticks, get a crucial third down. So, as I said earlier in the show, it has been confirmed Tommy Rees is calling plays tomorrow. So who is he going to be calling plays against? All right, guys, back at it again, locked on Irish podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. So as we sassed, sassed, as we asked, who will Tommy Rees be calling plays against? By the way, breaking news, Tommy Rees calling plays. Not sure why it was such a big secret, and we went through the whole collaboration spiel over the last weekend. But in any event, uh, first name that sticks out to me, Orion Vance. Uh, this guy, he's a big dude. He's going he's gonna to create an impact. He actually leads the uh, leads the Big 12 in sacks right now with six and a half. This guy could be a problem. 6'1", 231, just stout, built, big dude. Come through there, lay the wood on you. Um, so something to keep an eye on. Now, one of the things I noticed when I was watching the Texas game, when Ellinger got in trouble, it was when he held onto the ball too long. And Ellinger, they liken him to being a mobile quarterback, which I don't necessarily disagree. I think he's, what, second or fourth? First in the Big 12 in um, in rushing for a quarterback. Ugh, I'm not. I can't quote that. I know he's 12th overall. I read that yesterday. No, he'd be behind Hertz, of course, because Hertz rushed for over a thousand. So yeah, he's probably second. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just thought Ellinger when I was watching it, he was like, he's going to take off. He's going to take. You know, he didn't take off, and that's when I felt like Ellinger got in trouble. And I feel like Book. There's times that he was taken off too early. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe these corners, maybe that's a good thing, is bottom line. Maybe these corners lock these guys up. If Book takes off a little too soon, maybe it's better than taking off too late. In fact, I know it is, especially with this guy coming through. Uh, they also have Will McDonald back there, six sacks as well, six foot four, 230. Um, again, and very a nice athletic DN slash drop linebacker. But nothing we've not seen before. And I know people are getting a little little hot and bothered about, like, you know, the matchup and just 
just a little concerned about maybe coming in a little sleepy or whatever, whatever, it's going to be okay. These guys, these guys are fine. They're a little above average team, but again, it's not anything we haven't seen before. And I think where everybody gets kind of lost in all this is just the fact that, okay, this team, it's a no win situation against an Iowa state. We win. Great. We were supposed to win. They beat us probably one of the biggest wins in their program's history. And we're, we still can't win the big game, even though I would not consider this a big game. Not, not by any stretch. This isn't a huge bowl game. We all know that. We all know that to be fact for sure. No, I didn't misspeak just a little earlier. They do not. Uh, Orion does not lead the big 12 in sacks. Sorry. I read that wrong. Fifth and sixth is Orion, uh, Orion, uh, Vance Orion and um, Will McDonald or Orion Vance, man, two first names, or potentially two first names. And Will McDonald, uh, respectively, right there with each other, with six and a half and six. Now, the leader of this defense uh, is no doubt fifth-year senior Marcel Spears, leads the team in tackles, um, has 85 tackles on the season. Actually, even a step back from his sophomore year. Um, you got a, you got a lot of experience there at linebacker. A uh, little undersized, 6'1", 218. Just a little undersized. Eight tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. So he's able to get to the quarterback as well. Uh, he was second on the team, actually, his sophomore year with 107 um, tackles. And he's been able to get to the quarterback at least once in the last three years. So, again, another guy to look out for. So our offensive line, we're going to be challenged tomorrow. There is no doubt about the fact that we are going to be challenged. Can we run the ball? I- I'm beyond interested to find out if we can run the ball against this team. I mean, we've not been able to show that we can run the ball against decent teams all season long. It's just simple fact. I mean, this is the second best rush defense in the entire Big 12. So, and it's only not the best by about 1.7 yards. Oklahoma leads the Big 12. So I think we're, obviously we're going to have our success through the air tomorrow. They are a little less successful um, against the pass, they're fifth in the Big 12. I mean, as you know, we've joked before on this show that, yeah, the Big 12 defenses, it's illegal to recruit DBs, so I've heard. They don't really get after, um, you know, get after it at the corner very well. They only have six interceptions in the entire year. That's tied with Kansas, to put that into perspective. Um, but again, we, we have to be able to use Claypool against these corners, we have to be able to, you know, rise to the occasion and be more physical. Again, it's not anything we haven't seen before. I'm not even sure where I would rank this team. Somewhere around something like Virginia, maybe. Maybe Virginia. Uh, Greg Eisworth probably be locked up with uh, Chase Claypool. He's a sophomore, six foot, 205. I mean, that is a physical mismatch, 100% physical mismatch. Uh, he looks to probably be their best corner um, or Lawrence White, potentially. Uh, again, six foot one ninety six. Uh, I do know that Eisworth has uh, ten to pat- batted down passes. You also got Anthony Johnson, who can also match up out there. Again, six foot one eighty six. Are you seeing a trend here? Uh, you know these guys. They're they're going to be little. They're going to be fast out there. But can we be more shifty? I believe we can. I believe guys like Fink, guys like Keys. Come on, Braden Lindsay. Are you telling me any one of these guys can keep up with him? I don't. I don't think so. I really don't think so. Uh, like I said, Lawrence White, uh, two interceptions. He leads the team, which, you know, those are the first two interceptions of his career was this season. And they just don't – they're not very good at picking the ball off. They, they just – it's not their thing. Not their thing at all. Like I said, they only have six as a team overall. 
Uh, I know Jake Hummel's also got involved at linebacker, getting some interceptions. Uh, you just look at the average amount of yards and stuff that this t- defense has given up, and, and it's something we absolutely can take advantage of. Giving up a total of 362 yards per game. Uh, you know, Book's just got to take advantage of what's there. He can't be trying to make the big play every single time. Just take what the defense is going to give you. So with Tommy Reese calling plays, I know a lot's been made of that. There's a lot of people excited about that. I, I knew it was coming. Whether or not he'll be named the uh, offensive coordinator officially, we'll see. But, you know, I guess this is dress rehearsal for him. I don't know if Taylor's name was completely out. Again, I wanted to see, you know, us reach outside the program. It doesn't look like that's going to happen, especially now with Reese calling plays. So you're going to have a quarterback calling plays to another quarterback. Um, I don't think we'll get our answer tomorrow, despite the fact that I think this is a done deal. But I, I, I'm going to be interested to see, does the offense against a pretty stout defense, again, like I said, I keep harping. I, I know I repeat myself. I get it. Nothing we haven't seen before. But this is better than BC. This is better than Stanford. This is better than Duke. This is better than Navy. And in my opinion, better than Virginia Tech. It's kind of on par with Virginia, who gave us fits, if not for some defensive scores and some turnovers. So let's pick some bowl games. I apologize for that Miami pick. I should never pick the U ever, never, not, never. Uh, that offensive performance set back football about 100 years. Uh, we got, I got UNC and Temple at noon here. Military Bowl, give me UNC. They've had some crushing defeats. Almost knocked off Clemson. Uh, Michigan State, Wake Forest. Give me Michigan State. I think they're due for a win, even though watch out for that Wake Forest offense. And I, this one scares me. I would push you to pick Wake, but for whatever reason, I, I like I like Michigan State here. Texas Bowl, Oklahoma State, Texas A&M. Every team with a pulse that A&M's played um, has beat them. Kellen Mond's taken a tremendous step back. Keep an eye out for Chuba Hubbard. It's one of the reasons I was so pumped for a Pokes matchup. And Mike Gundy versus Brian Kelly. Come on. Uh, 8 o'clock is going to be good. The Holiday Bowl finds a way to get an exciting matchup. You got uh, the Trojans, SC, Clay Hilton coming back. Uh, going against Iowa, it's going to be a fun matchup. I'm definitely tuning into that. Give me, again, like I, did I say pick Oklahoma State? Yes, take Oklahoma State. Um, I got to go. Unfortunately, I think too, too many athletes. Iowa doesn't have enough offense to keep up, especially after that poor performance against Michigan. Give me uh, USC here. Air Force and Washington State. Washington State's had a rough year, taking a step back. They'll move the ball. How many stops can Air Force get? I'm taking Air Force. I think the triple option, and they throw out of it a little bit more. Uh, 10-win team, guys. Air Force is a 10-win team. I'm taking uh, taking the Falcons and the pride of Colorado Springs out there. So, tomorrow's games. Got to pick them because I don't know. Again, we're going to try to get Hissam on here. We'll talk some correspondence how the what the vibes like down there the atmosphere penn state memphis with norvell gone give me penn state i just think it's too many athletes for memphis um let's pick the playoff games i already gave you my picks a couple weeks ago uh but i'll make them official put a stamp on them i thought with hilaire hurt dinged i know he's going to try to play i thought that closed the gap a little bit but now that oklahoma's best dn rush end is out uh, give me LSU all day long, I think in a blowout. I think Ohio State gets Clemson. However, I'm hesitant because I don't know what Clemson is. Like I said before, last year I picked Notre Dame in my heart of hearts. I'm very pessimistic when it comes to picks on Notre Dame. I will tell you what I feel. I felt like we were going to win that game. I compared the schedules. I compared how we performed, how they performed. 
I thought we had to play a better schedule, and they came in and destroyed us and then did the same thing to Bama, which solidified them as easily the best team in the country. We don't know what Clemson is. To an extent, we don't know what Ohio State is. However, when I watch both teams, I just feel like Ohio State is just a more complete team, more dominant, uh, just in all phases of the game. But those Clemson wide receivers are absolute just nightmare matchups for Ohio State. And we're going to just see how good is Ohio State at corner and at safety. Maybe they are. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe the secondary for Ohio State is a nightmare matchup for LSU. I don't know. But it's going to be interesting to see. I'll give you my national championship pick after um, we find out who what the matchup's going to be. But as of right now, I like Ohio State close, possibly by two scores with like, a you know, LSU or Clemson's trying to stop them and then a, a broken play. Um, you know, a two-score game doesn't necessarily mean a game's a blowout by any stretch. You know, maybe LSU's trying to get the ball back, can't stop them, they score again. Maybe it's a 10-point victory. I, I look for it to be a, a slugfest between Clemson and uh, and Ohio State. And as far as my official pick, Notre Dame, Iowa State, give me Notre Dame 34-20. to uh, I think we come – everybody's playing. The team seems motivated. They seem loose. Kelly seems motivated. I think Tommy's going to – have something to prove. We got a lot of guys coming back for next year, I feel like, outside of Komet, which I told you I don't feel like he's coming back. So I feel like we got a motivated team. I think it will be close early, a la every Notre Dame game ever against an inferior opponent. Purdy's too good. He's going to make plays. We just can't let things snowball. If they get a big play, so what? Move on to the next play. That's going to be the key tomorrow because they will get their yardage. They will. I mean, I know I said what the keys to victory was, Guard the sticks, sit down on these guys, jam them at the line of scrimmage. However, there's going to be times they're going to score tomorrow. Bottom line, we're not winning this game by a shutout. How do we handle adversity? How If we find ourselves in a, in a matchup early like we did against Stanford, are we going to fold or are we going to fight back? Because if we find ourselves in a hole like that, like we did against Stanford tomorrow against Iowa State, could be in trouble because it's a much higher powered offense. It's a much more talented team than what that Stanford team it was. So we need to jump out. We need to be first, be early, score early and often, and try to get up, at least have the lead at halftime and then pull away in the second half and, and really see what kind of adjustments Tommy can make. The first half is going to be very interesting. How much do they get Braden Lindsay involved? How much do they get Lawrence Keyes involved? Do they go to Claypool? Do they try to establish a running game? Does the offense look the exact same because Tommy Reese has had quite a bit of a say in the last four weeks of the season? All questions to be answered tomorrow. High noon tomorrow, Notre Dame Camping World Bowl kicks off against Iowa State. We're going to try to do a bonus show for you. If not, this will be the last show. till We'll record Sunday, get it uploaded for Monday morning with all of our reaction. That is an ABC is the network. High noon again. This is the Locked On Irish Podcast. I'm Greg Schaefer. Make sure you follow us everywhere there is to follow us. We're everywhere. Facebook, uh, Twitter, at Locked On Irish, iTunes, just whatever app you're listening to. I know I go through it every time, but whatever app you're listening to, listen to us on there. Keep it up. And so until the next show, because I'm not sure, but again, follow that Twitter page, man. He's going to be down there. Mark Hissom is. Follow that thing. See what's up. Check out the vibe, the atmosphere. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great day for Irish football tomorrow. Have a good one, guys, and go Irish.